Last Monday, on the Feast of Our Lady of Lourdes, Pope Benedict announced that he will be retiring as Pope. He is the first Pope to resign in over 600 years. It came as a surprise to most, but for those who watch carefully, perhaps the writing was on the wall. Cardinal Ratzinger had asked for retirement on two occasions, but Pope John Paul II had refused it. Two years ago, in his interview book, Light of the World, the Pope told journalist Peter Seewald that if a Pope clearly realizes that he is no longer physically, psychologically, and spiritually capable of handling the duties of his office, then he has a right, and under some circumstances, also an obligation to resign. But what most people don't know is that in July 2010, Pope Benedict visited the tomb of Pope Celestine V. Celestine is the last pope to abdicate his throne. It turns out that this was the second time that Benedict visited Celestine's tomb. The first time Benedict visited the tomb, in 2009, he left his pallium there. I'm not saying that there is a connection between these two visits and Benedict's resigning, but maybe there is a special connection between the two popes. However, when Celestine abdicated, he did so for very different reasons and under very different circumstances. Benedict has been very clear that he is unable to carry on with his duties. Perhaps this is one of the most important lessons of this teaching Pope, that we need to know our limitations. So thank you, Holy Father, for your dedication, for your lessons, and for your love. Enjoy your retirement in peace. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this is the Salt and Light Hour. Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. I'm Deacon Pedro, and a special welcome to any new listeners either on the Catholic Channel, Sirius XM 129, or on the Spirit Catholic Radio Network in Nebraska, Iowa, and South Dakota. Also, a shout-out to Wilson, I'm mispronouncing your name here, Wilson Pethanthumkal, who wrote to us to say that he's a, he's a heavy Salt and Light Radio user. But Wilson, you didn't tell us where you are. But thanks for writing, though. We love your messages. Remember, you can always reach us via email, radio at saltandlighttv.org, or through Facebook or Twitter. Today, our parenting expert, Jillian Cantor, returns to tell us what she learned from her kids this week. And we also have our usual features, Andrew Santos with our Saint of the Week and Sheridan with our diocesan update. Krista Matrenko has been busy with the news this week, and he'll be with us in a few minutes. Now, I don't know if the news this week took you by surprise, but it did to a lot of people. Can the Pope resign? What does this mean? What's he going to do after he retires? Will he go back to being a cardinal? So there's lots of questions, and to help us understand what it means that the Pope will be retiring, we're going to be joined by Frank Rocca from the Catholic News Service Rome Desk. That's in, a, in our second half hour. Also in our second half hour, we'll get to chat with uh, singer, songwriter, worship leader, speaker, and comedian. His name is Nick Alexander, and he's our featured artist of the week. He's well known for his parody songs, sometimes known as the Catholic Weird Al. And to see what I mean, here he is with a parody of I Got a Feeling by the Black Eyed Peas. I got me kneeling. In the name of the Father, 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 
and of the Son, 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 and of the Holy Spirit. I got me kneeling for the night needs a beam of the good light, and the fight's gotta be the good fight. Know his might is one thing I so do delight. I got me kneeling. For the night needs a beam of the good light And the fight's gotta be the good fight Know his might is one thing I so do delight I got me kneeling For the night needs a beam of the good light And the fight's gotta be the good fight Know his might is one thing I so do delight Now I got time the world is tempting, the world is up Confess our failings, give them to God Then plant our feet firm on solid rock I know I don't know it all So I pick up my big book of devotionals I find me a good friend to make it my own It helps me live right, just gives joy to my soul Church! Who is that saint? Status louse, I pray he help me do what I ought. It get profound, then I slow down. When I get silent, I await the spirit's descent. The spirit, the spirit, the spirit, holy spirit, the spirit, the spirit, the holy ghost come spirit, come spirit, come spirit, 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 come spirit, come spirit, come spirit. I got me healing. A beam of the good light, and the fight's gotta be the good fight. Know his might is one thing I so do delight. I got me kneeling for the night needs a beam of the good light, and the fight's gotta be the good fight. Know his might is one thing I so do delight. Now I got time hey. to start it up. The world is tempting, the world's messed up Confess our failings, give them to God Then plant our feet firm on solid rock Who is that saint? Stanislaus I pray he help me do what I ought It get profound, then I slow down When I get silent, I await the spirit's descent The spirit, the spirit the Spirit, Holy Spirit, the Spirit, the Spirit, the Holy Ghost, come Spirit, come Spirit, come Spirit, 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 come Spirit, come Spirit, come Spirit, here we go! Read a verse, pray that verse, let the be not, exercise, Spirit guide, Saint Loyola, get ecstatic, charismatic, glossolia, memorize, ancient rites, chanting the songs, Rosary, it's mysteries, the litany of our lady, the barbary, divine mercy, and the Regina Chaley. Get, 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 witness to know how to pray, pray. Gotta ask in faith, 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 gotta ask in faith. And I'm kneeling. That was Nick Alexander with I Got Me Kneeling. We'll be speaking with Nick Alexander in the second half of the program and in about 15 minutes what our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. But first, 
Chris Dimitrenko is here with our news, or should I say with our news, the one news. You're right, Pedro. There really is one story in the Catholic world, and that is the retirement of Pope Benedict. And we're left with a lot of questions. Yes. And I'm going to tackle just three. The first one, perhaps the most intriguing, who knew? It was really surprising that there was no buzz about an impending resignation. And as John Allen of the National Catholic Reporter said in an article in CNN, it's so surprising because the Vatican leaks like a sieve. There's always buzz before something major happening in the Vatican, but not this time. Uh, The idea had been floated before, even by the Pope himself, Mm -hmm. in some of his writing that a Pope could resign if he was no longer able to continue. Um, But the way the culture is of the Italian press, their Vatican coverage is usually very gossipy, so even unsubstantiated rumors will go to print, Mm -hmm. and yet that didn't seem to happen. However, way back in September 2011, an Italian religious writer named Antonio Socci wrote that the Pope was considering resigning after his 85th birthday. Now, his birthday was back in April 2012, so when that happened and this didn't come to pass, everybody thought that his prediction was wrong. Hmm. Well, now Sochi's saying uh, that he's speculating that this was the plan, but the Vatileaks scandal meant that the Pope needed to wait for a period of calm Mm -hmm. before he could make the transition. Yeah, not the right timing, yeah. Either that or maybe it was still a good guess. Yes. Another question, Pedro, who else? As in, with all the focus on who gets the top job in the church, it's easy to forget that there could be a flurry of changes among the top figures in the Vatican. When the office of the Pope becomes vacant, all the heads of the departments of the Roman Curia lose their jobs. And this includes the Cardinal Secretary of State, who functions like a prime minister of the Vatican. He's one of the most powerful figures in the Vatican. Now, these departments are then run by those who are called the secretaries of the departments. It's effectively like a number three position. Um, However, one office that does continue uh, with the person who's in charge is the Camerlingo. Uh Now, the Camerlingo is in charge of some of the property and money affairs of the Holy See in the interim. And... Thankfully, uh, the Camerlingo also happens to be the current Secretary of State, Cardinal Tarcisio Bertone. So this, w- this ensures that the person who is um, already, in effect, running things has some role in the interim. So Cardinal Bertone, Tarcisio Bertone, who is the Secretary of State, he will have that role in the interim. Other decisions are made by the College of Cardinals as a whole because they're all going to be there in the Vatican. There's some things that they're not allowed to do, though. The cardinals can't change the rules governing papal elections. Makes sense, right? Because the election's just about to happen. They can't appoint more cardinals to the College of Cardinals or make any decisions binding on the next pope. Right. So I think those are some reasonable restrictions. Yeah, that makes sense. So in terms of who the next Secretary of State will be, it's notable that Pope Benedict had asked the previous Secretary of State, Cardinal Angelo Sedano to continue in that role. So sometimes the person who was the head of the department before can be asked to continue. continue. Uh, That said, Cardinal Tarcisio Bertone, he's already 78. He's past retirement age. So I don't think many people are expecting Mm -hmm. that he would continue. 
And the final question, Pedro, what's left? Well, the Pope has a few more public appearances in store. On Sunday, tomorrow, he will be reciting the Angelus, and that's the same with uh, a week from Sunday. The Pope will then be going on his Lenten retreat, so next week he'll have virtually no appointments at all, so there will be no general audience. After his retreat, he will be meeting with the Italian president, and there will be a general audience on February 27th. And that's very exciting because it will be the last public event with Pope Benedict and Sultan Lake will be televising this. And you can find our broadcast times for these final Angeluses, this final general audience, and any other events that uh, turns out if they become televised. Uh, we'll be airing these, and you can find out the broadcast times at sultanlighttv.org slash b16. Thank you very much, Chris. Yeah, it'll be interesting to see how many people show up to that last general audience because it'll be outdoors. Oh, yes. It'll mm -hmm. be cold probably, but it'll be outdoors. Thank you. Chris Dimitrenko, our Salt and Light Hour news producer. We'd love to hear what you have to say about uh, anything that you hear on this program. Remember, you can write to us, radio at saltandlighttv.org. Hi, I'm Julian Cantor, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. Our website is saltandlighttv.org slash radio. Look us up on Facebook, Salt Plus Light Radio, and let us know if you like us. And now it's time for... Saint of the Week with Andrew Santos. Hello, Andrew, Deacon. how about that news? Yeah, I, I don't know. Just very, very surprising, but um, at the same time, not surprising. And I say yeah, that just because... You know, uh, God bless our Holy Father, but, you know, he seems, uh, ever since last summer, I'd say probably since August, you know, he's just been very, very tired, yeah. very reserved. So, yeah. you know, anyway, but hey, this is a teaching moment for us is, in the church. It so is history in the making. So who's our saint? Who's our our saint? saint is Peter Damien. Oh, yeah. Okay. Yeah. I don't know much about him. Okay. So Peter Damien, uh, we know, is an orphan. Mm -hmm. um, uh, was very good and compassionate towards the poor. In his life, he was known to have people who were less fortunate around his table. Mm -hmm. And he liked to, you know, minister personally, sacramentally to their needs. Um, we know that Peter escaped poverty and the neglect of his own brother when his other brother, who was the archpriest of Ravenna, took him under his wing. And his brother sent him to good schools and Peter Damien later became a professor. Okay. Um, in his life story, we know that Peter Damien was very strict and disciplined with himself. Uh, he commonly wore um, uh, a hair shirt under his clothes. Yeah, wow. He fasted and he spent many hours in prayer. Yeah. He valued prayer so much in his life, Deacon, that he made the decision to leave teaching. He gave himself completely to prayer with the Benedictines of St. Romuald uh -huh. at Fonte Avellana. Uh -huh. That's a, a very interesting community. Uh, Peter Damien suffered from severe insomnia because he was always so eager to pray. Wow. It's fascinating. Mm -hmm. um, he hardly ever slept too. When he was not praying, he studied the Bible. The abbot of the monastery told Peter that when he died, uh, Peter Damien should succeed him. In his time as abbot, Peter Damien founded five other hermitages. Uh -huh. He encouraged his brothers to um, live a time of prayer, live a life of solitude, and uh, he wanted nothing more for himself. Hmm. When he was living in the seclusion of the cloister, I find this very interesting. Um, Peter Damien watched closely the fortunes of the church. Uh -huh. And like his friend Hildebrand, who went on to right. be Gregory the, Gregory the Seventh, yeah. he strove for her purification, for the church's purification in, uh -huh. those, in those 
unbelievable times. In 1045, when Benedict VI resigned the pontificate into the hands of the archpriest, um, who was known as John Gratian, who's Gregory VI, uh -huh. uh, Peter hailed the change with joy and wrote to the Pope, urging him to deal with the scandals of the church in Italy. Fast forward to 2013, and now look. W so Benedict the sixth. Benedict the sixth in the year 1045 resigned the pontificate into the hands of Gregory the sixth. Wow. And Gregory the sixth was known as John Gratian. Yes. Yes. Um, so finally, moving forward, um, Pope Stephen, later Pope Stephen, made Peter the Cardinal Bishop of Ostia, mm -hmm. which is just outside of Rome in Italy. Mm -hmm. He worked hard to wipe out the burying of church offices, and he encouraged his priests to observe celibacy and urged even the clergy of the diocese to live together and maintain scheduled prayer and religious observance. Um, he even wrote to um, one bishop complaining that the canons there sat down when they were si singing the Psalms in the Divine Office. Uh, Peter Damien, he wrote many letters in his time. He was known to have over 170. Hmm. He preferred, um, you know, he, he was different that way, Deacon Pedro. Uh, he preferred examples and stories rather than theory in his writings. Oh, of course. You know, many people yeah. prefer to go down a mm -hmm. road of theory, but he preferred the stories. Um, he asked often to be allowed to retire as the Cardinal Bishop of Ostia, and finally Pope Alexander II allowed it. Um, Peter was happy to become once again just a monk, but he was called to serve as a papal legate. Hmm. Um, papal legate is known as um, a papal like yeah, representative yes. on behalf of the Pope. When returning from such an assignment in Ravenna, he was overcome by a fever, and with the monks gathered around him praying the Divine Office, he died on February the 22nd in 1072. And in 1828, he was declared a doctor of the church. And I leave you with a quote from um, Peter Damien, who says, Let us faithfully transmit to posterity the example of virtue which we have received from our forefathers. His feast in the Universal Church is on February the 21st. Nice. Coming up. Okay, good. Thank you. So that's Peter Damien, February 21st. Andrew Santos, our saint expert. Thank you. Have a great week, Deacon. Hi, I'm Danny Tortia from Media Ministry Minutes, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. I'm Deacon Pedro. You can also find me on Facebook, Deacon Pedro, and on Twitter at Deacon Pedro GM. And now, what our kids teach us with Jillian Cantor. Jillian, welcome back to the program. Thanks very much. How are you doing? I'm good, thank you. I, I think I hear Annie there in the background. Yes, welcome Annie to the program. Sidekick today. Yes. <laughs> thank you. So, what have you learned from your kids this week? Um, I've learned that if I listen very carefully, I can actually hear God's voice speaking to me through my children, which is an astonishing and humbling and wonderful thing all at the same time. Okay. Um, it started, I guess. I, um, I don't, it was. I don't know, maybe a week ago or so, and I was watching them play, and I was just thinking about how close they are to God, really, in their innocence and their littleness. And and at that uh, the state that I was at that time, I just wanted, I just really felt the need to hear God. And I, I looking at Henry, I thought to myself, okay, God, I, I need to hear your voice. And if anything, I think you can probably speak through these little people. So let's hear it. Hmm. Um, he didn't say anything. Henry didn't say anything to me at that point. <laughs> so, and Henry so I kind of just put that aside. Um, but then a few days later, I was looking through my prayer journal, the one I record in my thoughts and thinkings, and 
um, it was a, an entry from about a year ago. I was just looking back, and there was two quotes that Joseph had said to me that day that I wrote down, and they jumped out at me, and they were, uh, one of them was, thank you for saying yes, mummy, and then the second one was, and most important, I love you. So when I wrote those quotes, I was writing them, I think, in response to uh, we'd had some challenging days with him, and, and that day he had just been so loving to me, and it was I obviously felt like it was a remarkable thing, so I wrote those two two pieces down. And they weren't anything at the time. I, I think what he said to me about the thank you for saying yes was probably because I let him watch a, a show, so mm-hmm. he was saying thanks for saying yes. And then the other thing was he was listing, I like garbage trucks and I like dinosaurs, but most important, I love you, Mommy. <laughs> so to him, those were just things to say. And, and at the time, to me, they were just things he said to me. But when I had asked God to let me hear his voice through my children, um, and then I find those things written down in my journal, thank you for saying yes, mommy, and most important, I love you, I can most certainly hear God saying those things to me. He's saying thank you for uh, saying yes to this vocation, to uh, bringing these children into the world and into my life, and he's also telling me how much he loves me by this wonderful gift of my kids. So it was very humbling. I can I often just rush through my day and don't take time to pause and thank God or think of how he's acting in my life. Mm-hmm. And so those just hearing those things from my son really made me believe that yes, God is here with me every day um and he really is using these little voices to tell me that he loves me. So it's awesome. Wow. <laughs> um I, I think I can detect a little emotion in your voice. <laughs> I think it's emotion I in my voice. I, uh, if I take the time to stop and really think about it, I, it's overwhelming. That yeah, it is. These are they are such gifts to us. They re- they are really from God, and how humbling and wonderful is that? So, mm-hmm. like that, He loves me so much. He gave me these three people. So yay. Yeah. <laughs> yes, and 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 well, and and I mean, yes, as a parent, but even for anyone to know. That God says to us, thank you for saying yes. Mm-hmm. And that God says to us, most important, I, I'm thinking of, you know, he, he saw that it was very good. Mm-hmm. Most important, I love you. Yeah. Th- those are words that we all need to hear. Oh. Wow. Yeah. Thank so you. So look back at your journals. I will. I'm going to. Gonna, yes, <laughs> yes, we're going to have to do that. I'm going to have to do that. Those are good messages for Lent, too, as we, uh, as we journey towards yeah. Easter. That's true. Thank you, Jillian, and thank you, Annie, and I guess thank you, Henry and Joseph, for those wise words. Yes, I'll pass the thanks on to them. <laughs> thank you very much. Jillian Cantor is the producer of the Salt and Light TV program Mothering Full of Grace. She's also a wife and mother of three. Hi, I'm Andrew Santos, and you're listening to the Salt and Light Hour with Deacon Pedro. You can listen to uninterrupted Catholic music on Salt and Light Radio at saltandlighttv.org radio. Christian music like never before. Check out the website to find out how you can listen online and on the go on your mobile device. And here now is Sheridan with our diocesan update. Hi, Hi. Sheridan. Hello, Pedro. Hello, my friends. As you know, the Archdiocese of Edmonton is celebrating their 100th anniversary. Yeah, amazing. So earlier this week, I called up Shemin Malmus. She's the archivist for the Archdiocese of Edmonton to find out how the celebrations are going. Shemin, thanks for connecting. Thank you. I'm happy to be here. Can you share the significance of this anniversary for the diocese and also for the province? 
Well, um, although the Catholic Church has had a presence in Alberta since about 1820, the Archdiocese of Edmonton um, wasn't established until 1912. Uh, so that was the moment when the Diocese of St. Albert was divided into two, creating what's now the Archdiocese of Edmonton and the Diocese of Calgary. So this is a significant change administratively, but it also reflects a larger change in the population of Alberta. So it's growing um, around the turn of the century, mainly due to immigration. Um, And as such, it was becoming more and more difficult for the Bishop of St. Albert to take control of this huge uh, area, which was more than two-thirds of the province. Wow! Um, So, yeah, so it's a large area. He has a number of parishes and um, uh, not that many priests um, under his control. So the the division makes sense uh, administratively, but also due to all all this other sort of growth that's happening in Alberta. Okay, great. So can you share with us some of the initiatives that the diocese has undertaken to celebrate this jubilee anniversary? Uh, We had an opening mass to celebrate our 100th anniversary, which was launched at the same time as the Papal Year of Faith on October 11th at the Basilica. And uh, we also had a big fundraising event um, where we announced official twinning of our archdiocese with the Diocese of Mackenzie Fort Smith, so up north. The, and the proceeds from the gala went towards, um, towards some events and uh, projects that are going to happen between our two dioceses. And you also had an art exhibit. Can you tell me more about that? Um, yeah, we, have, um, we developed a panel display for... Um, which will be traveling through the diocese along with a commissioned icon of St. Joseph the Worker. Mm-hmm. Um, and it, uh, it runs through sort of, I mean, it's 10 panels, so it runs through the, a brief history and highlights uh, of the past 100 years. So it talks about our, the development of the seminary and the parishes and hospitals and schools and, um, and has some fun historic photos. So. And uh, what's up next? Uh, up next, there is, they're doing a big day of reconciliation um, during the Lent season. Um, there's some youth events coming up in the summer, um, and hopefully I will have an online exhibit which will complement the um, panel display that's traveling around, which will include more photographs. Wonderful. What do you love most about being an archivist for the Archdiocese? I think when you work as an archivist, you really get the sense of how people communicated to themselves and to others. And so for this, I've really spent a lot of time involved with Archbishop Legal, who was the first Archbishop of Edmonton in his mm. photo albums, in his writings. And I sort of have a sense of, of who he was as a person, who he was as an archbishop. Um, and sometimes I feel like he's sitting here with me uh, as I'm writing my content and working on the display. So. And what do you think that means for the people of Archbishop? Of, of the Archdiocese. I think we get to have a personal connection with all of these people who've created our, um, our history, our diocese. And I think sometimes we think of the history in the past, but it's always here and it's always informing what we do next and where we go from here. So bringing it forward. Thank you so much, Shamine, for your time. Thank you so much. That was Shamine Malmes, the archivist for the Archdiocese of Edmonton. To find out more about the history of the Archdiocese of Edmonton and so much more visit their website, caedm.ca. Excellent. Thank you very much. I guess, should we be saying happy birthday, happy anniversary? Happy 100th anniversary! Edmonton. Great. Thank you very much, Sheridan. Coming up in our second half hour, the Pope resigns and a featured chat with worship leader, speaker, and comedian Nick Alexander. So don't go anywhere.
Hello and welcome to the Salt and Light Hour Part 2. I'm Deacon Pedro. Unless you're living under a rock, by now you've probably heard that Pope Benedict announced that he will be retiring as Pope on February 28th. This is unprecedented in modern papal history. And to help us understand the significance of this and to give us more details, earlier this week we spoke with Catholic News Service Rome Bureau Chief Frank Rocca. Frank, welcome to the program. Thank you. Glad to be here, Deacon. So what's the mood in Rome today? Well, I think people are still absorbing uh, this. Uh, I, you know, I spoke to a couple cardinals today, and uh, one of whom was in the room mm-hmm. when uh, Pope Benedict uh, made the announcement on Monday. And yeah. he still doesn't have... <laughs> he still doesn't have uh, the words uh, to explain exactly what's happened, and and and, and people don't know uh, what's going to happen. They did. There's so many unanswered questions because this is uh, practically unprecedented. Mm-hmm. Uh, and 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 what's what's striking is that there doesn't exist the sort of. Um, uh, uh, usual language to talk about this, and so and so it's, it's so it's a moment of uh, of kind of openness. It's a disturbed moment, but it's also a, a moment of great uh, of great, a very interesting and, and, and fascinating and stimulating moment. That's right. There's there's no playbook. We're kind of sort of figuring it out uh, figuring it out as we go. Um, you were at the, were you at the general audience this? Not sorry, the Ash Wednesday Mass. Um, well, I, uh, yes, we were uh, there, and uh, it was uh, quite a moving occasion. Was it? Uh, yes, uh, the Pope, uh, uh, at, at Cardinal Bertone, the Secretary of State, mm-hmm. at the uh, at the very end of the Mass, uh, read a short tribute uh, to the Pope and, and thanked God for his service. And 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 then the whole this is you know I, I don't know when this has ever happened before, if ever, but the entire congregation, uh, uh, you yeah. know, I, I don't know exactly how many people, close to ten thousand rows, and gave him a standing ovation standing of more ovation. than a minute. Yeah. Yes. Yeah. No. We watched it on, on TV, um, and and we thought, oh, there's no way he's gonna start, you know, crying. But he held he held his composure. Um, I, I don't know if how anybody else was crying. Um, um, did this announcement come out of nowhere? You know, there are very few people who 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 uh, that I know who predicted this. Uh, uh, my predecessor, John Davis, yeah. the, the former, he, he, he did it, it many times, I remember, and there are some others. But I have to say, I have to admit that I didn't think so. I thought that, he, that Benedict might do it when he, if he became very, very sick. Mm-hmm. And I assumed that he had left written instructions in, uh, uh, in, in, that, in such a case. But I, I didn't think he would. I thought he would hold out. But looking back now, it makes sense. Looking back now, you see uh, we should have known. Right, uh, right. And, uh, yeah. Well, hindsight is always twenty twenty. So, so the fact that he had asked to retire when he was a cardinal twice, and or or what he said to Peter Seewald uh, at the in, with the interview for Light of the World two year, two years two three years ago, and that he said that you know this is the if 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 a pope was unable to continue fulfilling his duties, it's it's his obligation to retire. So those those uh, that sort of writing on the wall is what you're referring to. That's true, and but, although on the other hand, I mean, you know, the, even his closest collaborators, I mean, people who were in the room, Cardinal Lorenzo, Cardinal O'Brien, who were in that room, say everybody was looking at, e- at each other, and nobody, everyone was stunned. So if his closest collaborators, you know, didn't even know. Senate, uh, didn't expect it, then I, I guess journalists can be forgiven for not having predicted it. But I, on the <laughs> yes. other hand, I got to say that the actual timing of it, on the one hand, it makes sense right before Lent. It, 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 there's a very uh, sort of beautiful symmetry in having a new pope by Easter and so forth. On right. the other hand, he leaves so many 
um, loose ends. I mean, you know, uh, an encyclical that hasn't been published and I guess won't be, uh, you know, uh, all kinds of things. Uh, and which seems uncharacteristic, but I mean, he must have just felt that the, the aging process was accelerating and, 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 uh, and, and just felt that it had to be done. Okay, t- tell us a bit more about that encyclical, because I thought it was completed. That encyclical, my understanding from people uh, inside, is that he had finished his part of it, but it was go- others in the, in the, in the uh, 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 Korea were going over it, when this, which is an or- very or- ordinary procedure, and then it would have eventually gone back to the Pope. And I mean, I can't tell you exactly what stage it is, right. but it certainly wasn't ready, and it hadn't reached the point where it was being translated or anything like that. Okay. Uh, and, uh, and so... Now we have the press uh, secret, uh, uh, secretary, Cardinal of uh, Cardinal Father Lombardi, telling yep. us that no, it won't be published. Oh, so he has uh, said you know. that. He has yeah. said that. Now, so everybody's asking questions about Benedict's health. Um, I know that we have seen him age quite a bit in the last year. Um, is that is there something more that people you know that nobody knows? <laughs> Well, I mean, uh, there, I guess there might be, but I mean, as far as we know, he had the, you know, uh, he, it was revealed uh, yesterday that he's had a pacemaker, but that he yes. had that before he became Pope. Yes. Um, I mean, my view is that if he were really feeling that he was, that he was, uh, you know, about to die, I, I imagine he would have just gone ahead and died, because that's the ordinary thing that Popes do. So mm-hmm. uh, I think he must feel that he's got a little time left. Uh, but uh, in terms of his health, I mean, I, I, I gather everyone's been assuring us that it's been a, that it's a gradual thing. That there's no Father Lombardi specifically said there's no specific specific medical yeah. uh, crisis. Right. Yeah. So what happens now? I know I know that you might not know for sure, but sort of what are people saying that would happen now in terms of, you know, where he's going to retire? Is does he go back to being a cardinal? How how, how does that work? No, he won't be a cardinal, uh, and uh, the question of his actual title is not uh, settled. He'll be presumably settling a lot of these things himself before he goes, because uh-huh. after all, until February 28th, he's, <laughs> he's, he's the Pope. The Pope yeah. so, so he would do his successor and everybody else a big favor by that. It, 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 one title that Father Lombardi said was perfectly plausible was Bishop, Bishop Emeritus of Rome, of Rome because yep. indisputably he will be that. Mm-hmm. Um, but he, but, but whether he, whether some other time, he will be living in the Vatican City. He'll be living in a, in a in small a, a former monastery. Yeah, okay. And does he, does he go back to being Joseph Ratzinger? I guess he's not good, Benedict. Good anymore. question. No, but no, if oh. he keeps, but if he keeps writing and publishing, he'll. I'm sure he'll do that under that name as he's done even while he's pope, as you know. Yeah, I know I, exactly. So he'll continue. I mean, yeah, he, yeah, yeah. I always noticed that that he always, he always used his 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 name when he write. Um, um, so I mean, there's there's a lot of a lot of things still still up in the air. Then, yeah. For example. Will he appear? Will he participate in the, in the first liturgy of his successor? Right. I asked Father Lombardi that yesterday. That's a good and he yeah. said, That's a very good question. We don't know. Well, um, <laughs> I guess he has to go to Mass. <laughs> right, but he doesn't have to appear at a, he, he doesn't, doesn't necessarily have to. have to appear at a, a public liturgy. He may just, I mean, I, everyone, Cardinal O'Brien told us today, uh, he will be invisible. He will really say, he will really become a reckless, not a reckless, but he will really try to avoid any any kind of distraction, being a distraction to his successor. But that does that. But well, maybe there'll be some kind of rite of passage, some sort yeah. of I don't want to say passing of the imperium or something, but you know some sort of it's, it would be a new thing, a liturgy that has to be now invented, really, and by by I guess by by Benedict himself before he goes. Exactly. Uh, yeah, and even I I, I mean, I've heard people say that even though if if he managed to be 
as you say, quote unquote, invisible. I mean, how really, how possible is that? And, and will we enter an era where the, actually they are by default two popes? Because people will still see him as Pope Benedict. You know? Well, needless to say, any cardinal that you would talk to, and, to, and if you talk to the, pre- the Vatican spokesman, they will immediately say, don't worry, there's no danger of that, because Benedict himself would never allow it. I think that's true. I'm sure Benedict wouldn't want that. Uh, I, you know, what, what I think there is a slight danger is that some people who want to criticize this or that policy of the next pope, uh, or this or that teaching, or this or that decision, mm-hmm. will probably start, uh, start the rumor mill and start whispering that, well, you, we know that Pope Benedict is, uh, yes. is, is unhappy about this or that because he told my friend. Uh, but, you know, Cardinal O'Brien said and, and, and that he thinks that the Pope Benedict will make it so clear that he's not that he's going to be uh, silent and respectful of his successor that that won't have much credibility. Okay. Now, and 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 again, I don't know how much of this has been settled, but so there's there's a final uh, I guess event or mass on the 28th. And uh, uh no, on the on the I if I'm not mistaken on the 27th, uh, the day before, he'll give a speech uh to uh the College of Cardinals. So it'll be his valedictory speech and that'll okay. be fascinating. Uh, and then on the on the twenty eighth, he'll at five p.m. he'll fly by helicopter uh, and he'll leave uh, Vatican City three hours before his <laughs> he ceases to be pope and fly to Castel Gandolfo, the 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 the, 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 the summer retreat. So twenty the twenty eighth is the twenty eighth on the very is, last day. It's yeah, the moving at 8 p.m. Day. Rome time. So I guess two p.m. Toronto or whatever. Yeah, yeah, um, yeah. And he'll he, have he ceases to be pope. And you'll have a general audience on the twenty seventh, as as always. Well, that, on the 26th, the, right, which is Wednesday, right? No, the Wednesday is the 27th. Okay, sorry. Okay, yeah. See, I thought the 28th case, was on that, the Wednesday. On that, on that, that's right, the day before. Then it's Thursday okay. that he sees it. And, and, the, and there will be the last, the last general audience, and, uh, and it will be in the square, which is unusual, for, which is not the procedure for this time of for, year. Yeah, but no, it'll be freezing. And, and, but there's no word as to when the conclave would begin? The conclave under canon law is supposed to begin from 15 to 20 days after the seat becomes vacant, right? The C becomes vacant. The yeah. contest. So uh, do the math. It will be, I think it's the 15th to the 20th of March will be the beginning. Okay. Uh, I don't know anything beyond that, but I would think that given the lead time, maybe we would expect the earlier date rather than the yeah, later Yeah, you date. think so. I mean, there's no the, the, the traditional mourning period, the nine That's days right. or whatever. It's not necessary. Um, wow. So a lot of history in the making, Frank, for sure. And you're right in the middle yeah. of it. Yeah, a lot of I, as I put it, a lot of uh, first, uh, a lot of uh, first blasts. Yes, because we never had a last yes. audience, a last public liturgy as we had today. Uh, you know, not knowingly, of course, but 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 we, but in fact, we have that now. A pope deliberately and clearly saying, "This is my last mass in the public," and so forth. Yeah, absolutely. So people having an opportunity to say thank you, um, and and I guess that's something we don't usually get to do either. Well, Frank, thank you very much for for filling us uh, in and and up bringing us up to date with what's happening, and uh, hope to talk to you again. Well, thank you, Deacon. Talk talk to you soon. Frank Rocca is the Bureau Chief for Catholic News Service. We spoke to him last Wednesday. For more in-depth Catholic news, you can always check out their website, catholicnews.com. Here now is our featured Artist of the Week, Nick Alexander, with Too Late Have I Loved You. Have I loved you 
was Nick Alexander with Too Late Have I Loved You from his album Eternal Life, The Party Album. Now, who is Nick Alexander? Is he a comedian, a worship leader, a speaker? I first heard about him because of his parodies. He has three comedy music albums out. But I know that he's also an accomplished songwriter and spends a lot of time at events sharing the good news. And he does so in a way that is engaging, funny, heartfelt. And because of that, it's effective. And I'm very happy to have Nick Alexander joining us now on the program. Nick, welcome to the Salt and Light Hour. Oh, I am so happy to be here, Pedro. You rock. <laughs> you have, like, way too much energy. What, what are you? Are you a comedian? What are you? I'm still trying to figure that out. Um, You know, I'm a man who's infected with the joy of the Lord. That's what I am. And however it comes out, if it comes out with comedy, great. If it comes out in praise, great. If it comes out in a nice little wistful anecdote that will have people bawling in their seats, great. Mm -hmm. You know, that's my goal, to have people crying (laughs) nonstop. Crying. Kleenex. Kleenex. You're, you're in cahoots with the Kleenex company. You better believe it. I'm going to put those, you know, dryers in the, in, in the, in the, in the bathrooms, you know. I'm going to put them out of business. Basically. Yeah, seriously. So how did you write, how did you start writing, par- were you writing, like, serious music before? Like, what was the chicken or the egg? Or were you writing parodies before? How did that all start for you? I wanted to be the next John Michael Talbot, so I wrote parody songs. Um, the, the goal is, it was a songwriting exercise to be able to improve my own songwriting chops. That's all it was. Sorry, it was an exercise that you decided you wanted yourself, or were you in a class? No, it was in myself. I was just doing it myself. I was like, you know what, I, I, I need to improve my songwriting skills, so let me just write a couple of parody songs. I didn't expect any of them to actually hit a, a comedic jugular so to speak, but that's exactly what happened. And people said, you know, you really have something and nobody else has. You better just run for it. So uh, I did. I ran for it for uh, three full albums and occasional new songs here and there. And right. so that's what happened. Basically. So that what was that one first song? <laughs> well, I was actually at um, a Catholic Association of Music retreat. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And... Basically, I had already written I Got You Saved uh-huh. and Old Time Gregorian Chant yeah. and Repent. Uh-huh. Those three I thought were pretty good. Yes. But I had always played those in a mixed congregation environment. I just did it as fun. It wasn't really serious. And it was just the right tone, and we, I played it for Cam, and uh-huh. they all went crazy. Yeah, it was of like, course. we've never seen anything like this before. That was like the right crew to finally hear it yeah while i was at that retreat tom booth yeah you know tom booth yeah, of course the great songwriter tom booth yeah he was giving a talk about um songwriting he said oh wouldn't it be cool if catholics wrote a song called transubstantiation uh-huh and i had finished the song transubstantiation that night so that's the parody on the beatles revolution exactly yeah and I, you know, it just came very easy for me. <laughs> That's great. That's great. And then, of course, there's RCIA the, uh, on, the, on y- YMCA. R- well, by no, YMCA by those people. Um, but RCIA was one of those things where it just, that wrote itself in 10 minutes. I was basically sure. sitting there and I was going, hmm, I should do a parody of YMCA. 
what do we have in the Catholic Church that we can use that rhymes with YMCA? And then 10 minutes later, the whole song was written. Yeah, RCIA. It's very funny. And then, of course, Should I Stand or Should I Kneel, which I think is the other one that a lot of people like. That one, I got to tell you, was a hard one to write. But when it came out, when it finally came out just right, I just... Uh, to me, that's one of my favorite parodies. It is. I've it's ever one done. of my favorite ones. And so you came up with the the basic, the first idea: should I stand or should I kneel? I think I was watching TV, and there was a commercial, or it was a movie review program, and it was a Rugrats movie. Uh huh. And they were singing the original song. I guess it was part of part of the soundtrack or something. Uh huh. And I just sat there. And I said. What do you know? I never noticed this, but this is like a song that pretty much has seeped into the culture, and it's kind of heavy, but you can hear the lyrics distinctly, and right. you can get people to sing along with you. Right. And that's what made my, my mind go, I better try to tackle this, because this is, this is gold. And, and so the idea of it being about my own personal experience coming into the Catholic Church that came later. Right. Now, uh, I, it, correct me if I'm wrong, but I remember one time you and I were either communicating I, I th- through email or something, and you were saying that you didn't want to anymore be known as the parody guy, the Catholic weird owl. That you, so you tried, you wanted to be more of a worship leader. The, 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 was that a phase? Are you sort of reconciling yourself with, with this gift that you have, or, or are you both? Can you do both? Do you go to a worship meeting and, and lead worship by do using parody songs? Here's the thing. I, I have, um, within the last six months, I started a new podcast Yes. called the Prayer Meeting Podcast. Uh-huh. I don't really do parody songs on that. Right. To me, that's now more of a continuation of me finding a creative outlet in being able to demonstrate my gift for worship. Now, mm-hmm. here's the interesting thing. People who are looking for worship leaders don't generally look in the comedy aisle no, in the they Catholic don't. bookstore. No, they don't. And people who are looking for comedy writers aren't usually looking in the worship section. Mm-hmm. So I'm trying to branch out to both groups. Okay. And I'm trying very hard to say, you know what, um, I'm not defined by my parodies. I, it seems like my parody writing has made me like, put a mark on the map. Uh-huh. But kind of like Weird Al Yankovic isn't just a, com- a parody writer either. He's also no. a music video director. Yeah, but nobody knows that. <laughs> yeah. So. Well, so how is that working for you? Well, I'm just starting it off, and right now I think my podcast is actually getting a lot more um, uh, traction over mm-hmm. the last couple of uh, months. And I'm just loving it. To me, I think that's just a great opportunity to, to come out there. and to. Uh, I've had a wellspring of creativity in just discovering new songs, new old songs, uh-huh, uh-huh. The, the way that I have to do this, and being able to uh, introduce new generations to, you know, our history. I'm even doing Gregorian chant huh. on this podcast. Yeah. So it's a combination of... Um, old and new and spirituals and uh, hymns that have been long forgotten and Gregorian chant and then I get to share who I really am on these right. on this type of show. So. so, so tell us a little more about it. So it's a, it's called the Prayer Meeting Podcast. It's an, they're all an hour long. 
It's and, about an hour long, yes. And sort of, and the format that you follow is that you're, you're, because people, you also have the lyrics available so people could listen and sing along. So what, exactly. What, so the goal of it is I, um, it's, it's to, as best as I can within a podcast environment, to follow the format of an old style charismatic prayer meeting, uh -huh. except I incorporate a lot more styles of music in it. I have a lot more freedom to do certain things. Okay. And so the first half of it is worship um, songs, and I also take the liturgy, I take the scriptures of the readings of the week, and I try to find p ways to pray those readings. Okay. And then from there, I do a song of the week where I focus upon a praise and worship song that uh, I like, and I want to demonstrate to people how I would use it, mm -hmm. you know, in a context. That's like about five to ten minutes. And then from there, I do a talk on something that's been weighing on my heart. Uh -huh. And one of the interesting things is, and, and I don't know if I'm going to run out of time, I'm starting, a, I just started a new series. Mm -hmm. We're going to do a Lenten movie club. Oh, okay. We're going to actually watch movies, and these movies are now easily accessible because of, say, I don't know how they are in Canada, uh -huh. but, you know, through groups, things like Netflix. Oh, yeah, of course. And yeah. uh, Amazon yeah, and Hulu. Yeah. I don't know how, if you have all of those or not. I don't think Hulu's available here, but, but certainly Netflix, and but there's so many other, other options. So yeah. people, So how does that work? Well, basically, we're all going to watch a movie, and uh, I'm just going to just share my, exp my feelings about the movie um, after, the, after we, we talk about it. So I'm telling everybody, like the first week, we're going to be watching a movie called Diary of a Country Priest, uh -huh. which is an yep. old yep, French, French movie. movie from yeah. the 50s. Yeah, 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 good. And it's one of the great religious movies that nobody's ever seen. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Well, now you can see it. Let's nice. see it. Let's see it together. Let's do it this Lent. And it's just, that's just another passion. And you're doing, so, but this is separate from the prayer meeting podcast, so. This is actually, no, this is. As part of the prayer meeting. This is the talk. Oh, I see. So if people want to join in on the Lenten Movie Club, they it's prayer meeting. They need to go to prayer meeting, and and that's the same. They can fast forward through. <laughs> they, can, they just want to hear the through talk. Through all the music. In the singing. They can fast forward through They'll all the boring singing. Anyway. Okay, so that's good. Okay, so nickalexander.com. If people go to that website, then there's a link to the prayer meeting. Is that the easiest way to find Prayermeetingpodcast.com. Prayermeetingpodcast.com. Yes. Okay, perfect. And then everything is there and accessible. Nick, that's all the time we have. We have to leave it there. But thank you so much for sharing a bit of what you do with us today and for sharing your music. And, uh, and, and yeah, I hope that our listeners will, will uh, flock to your prayer meeting. And, and I'm interested in the Lenten Movie Club myself. So uh, Cool. Yeah, thanks a I'll lot. I'll see you there then. For sure. <laughs> Nick Alexander, singer, songwriter, speaker, worship leader, comedian, prayer meeting guy, and a apparently Lenten movie expert. You can learn more about Nick Alexander. You can book him and you can purchase his music at his website, nickalexander.com. And also for the prayer meeting, you can go to prayermeetingpodcast.com. And now because it's Lent, here now is Nick with This Time of 40 Days from his album, I Want to Be Debated. There's a little black spot on your head I guess it must mean today is Ash Wednesday And we enter a time when we will give things up 
For some it's so easy, but for me it's tough. I hope I can last without it being a pain. On Fridays, no meat, but at least fish is okay. We just got our throats blessed on the feast of Saint Blaise, and it starts right this week, this time of 40 days. There's a little black spot on your head. We're listening to This Time of 40 Days by Nick Alexander from his album I Want to Be Debated. And that will take us to the end of the program. Remember that you can stream or podcast all Salt and Light Hour programs at saltandlighttv.org slash radio. That's also where you can now listen to uninterrupted Catholic music and devotions, Christian music like never before, thanks to the generous support of artists like Nick Alexander. Check out our website and learn how you can listen online and on the go on your mobile device. Once again, welcome to all our new listeners. Write to us and tell us what you think of our show, radio at saltandlighttv.org, or contact us through Facebook. Thank you for your support and for being with us. I'm Deacon Pedro, and this has been the Salt and Light Hour. Is it dark? Is it bold? Or has it faded gray?